With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Java, brought to you as always by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where their slogan in 2021 will be, we serve smoothies to Taylor. It's what we do here. <laughs> They're good. I mean, they got, uh, it's like pear, blueberry, a bunch of weird flavors that like I've never seen anywhere else. But I mean, they're, they're great. It's like real fruit in there. It's, uh, it's not like. I was going to say, you said flavors. Thing. It's not flavoring. They, they just... No, it's not like sugar water and like fake flavoring. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know other places have stuff like that. But no, Gekka's, it's like real fruit. It's, so it's actually good for you. The Penguins uh, made some moves a couple yesterday of, of some significance in filling out, at least from the sound of it, Mike Sullivan's coaching staff by bringing on Mike Vellucci, the head coach last year at Wilkes-Barre Scranton, and Todd Reardon, the head coach, of course, this last year of the Washington Capitals. Um, you know, the first thought that I have, though, when that happens is who hired those guys? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Because in particular – like Reardon, that's easy because, you know, Reardon was around before, but Rutherford knew him. Vellucci was a guy that Rutherford brought in uh, after winning a championship in the AHL. And it looked right from the very beginning like Vellucci was brought in for some other purpose. And now here it is. So these both feel like Rutherford hires. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the Vellucci hire, even initially in Wilkes-Barre, they had they go way back from in Carolina and then uh, in juniors. Uh, Rutherford hires, I could see that. Uh, Reardon, they were, he used the word like aggressive, like they were aggressively pursuing him. Like it was like right after, like he said immediately after, you know, Washington made the decision to fire him. Uh, the Penguins like were on the phone, like requesting permission to, to talk to him, to try to hire him. Um, so yeah, I, not not really all that surprised to see Reardon back. I know a lot of people are calling it like a like a retread, but not not that even mean though. I mean, Every yeah, coach in the I, NHL is a retread. Think, well, but it, him him coming back to Pittsburgh, which I really don't think is that big of a deal because I'm who who is even still here that was here when he was here last time. It's like the the big three, and maybe that's not a bad thing because, um. Like Latang, especially, you know, he's because Reardon's going to be working with uh, the the power play and the defense, so he's familiar with the core already. So maybe that's I'm fine with with him like coming back uh, and having you know that kind of experience. But yeah, I, I guess my antenna is still up here in a, in a couple ways. One, uh, in in the in the cynical sense, uh, these are both guys who have been head coaches who are. Uh, no nonsense guys. Uh, they're 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 tough. I wouldn't refer to them as autocratic or or whatever thing. I mean, most of my experience has been uh, with Reardon. Really, like great, engaging guy, fun to talk to, and everything else. You can speak to Valucci as soon as I finish with this. But, uh, it, but Reardon also, when he was in Washington, was always 
really pointedly aware as it related to which capitals were giving effort, which ones weren't, which capitals were shrinking from duty and which ones were rising up. And you're nodding because I'm guessing Vellucci was kind of the same way. I, I was going to say the identical thing about Vellucci that, yeah. um, I mean, Sullivan, that he didn't specifically talk about why those guys were hired, but uh, I mean, Vellucci, that's, that was my first thing. Uh, good at uh, identifying like who's putting in effort and like, and like getting it out of them. The, the two instances of, like on, on either side of the coin that I thought of this year in Wilkes-Barre was um, because, uh, you know, they had a lot of four depth. Some guys are going to have to go down to Wheeling. Uh, he said Jordy Bellarive came to him in camp and said, like, what do I have to do to make sure that Just doesn't to happen stay to here, yeah. Well, yeah, and Bellucci told him, and, like, and he said um, – he told him like what he wants to see from him and like, you know, just, you need to work really, really hard to stick up here and not go down there. And he, he saw a lot from Bellarive and Bellarive never once went down to Wheeling. But then um, on the flip side, uh, Yandros was the guy that, that did go down to Wheeling. And when he came back, um, not the biggest fan of back checking, uh, kind of uh, his defensive game is something he needs to work on. It looked like he wasn't trying that hard. And uh, there'd be entire periods where he's stapled to the bench. And I, I did ask, uh, I, mean, I did ask Vellucci, um, cause yeah, I asked him about both of those guys. And, and when I asked about Droz, he said um, he wasn't emptying the tank. So, you know, he's, he's not going to get playing time. And he, he made that clear to Droz. Um, so effort uh, is something definitely that he notices and he can, he can get it out of guys. Yeah, I, I guess the other thing that you think about in that context is, for the predecessors, the guys that just lost their jobs, when I think of their personalities, and this is with immense respect to Mark Recchi, Hall of Famer, Jacques Martin, who's coaching in the NHL as a head coach, associate assistant for many, many years, uh, Sergei Gonchar, a guy who arguably should be in the Hall of Fame as a defenseman. None of them have that personality. Do you know what I mean? They don't, none of them have that. I can't picture either of them going in there and peeling the paint. So what ends up happening in the coaching dynamic, one guy in the whole scenario is doing all of the barking, all of the yelling, all of the threatening. I can very much picture this and you know who that is. And eventually the, players hear the same voice and it's just not the same impact. I, I'm, I'm, I might be carrying this too far, but do you know what I'm saying? No, I get that. And um, kind of, kind of like you said, Vellucci, Reardon's, they're not like, they are like intense. They can bring that out of guys, but they're also not like hard asses. Like they're, they are warm, like people. They're very friendly. I know like players in books, I really like like Vellucci as a person. Like he is very friendly to to them, but like he he is able to get that out of them. So, um, I mean, like they're gonna make these guys work, and it's not gonna be all on on Sullivan. Um, but Sullivan did because so they got rid of three assistant coaches. They only brought two on, um, and he did say that you know this is the they're comfortable with this staff, so they're not actively searching for a third assistant coach. It's I mean it, he kind of left that door open, but. It sounds like this is it, but he did say that he is going to remain like a very hands-on coach, and that's why that, you know, the third isn't you don't you don't need the third. Yeah. So, also, I mean, when you when you when your staff starts getting a little bit too big uh, in any sport, you start losing some of that control, 
and you start losing some of that trust, you know, because you, it's not that it's not that small tight circle that most coaches want. Yeah. And I think the, the composition, like their focuses are really good. I know a lot of people thought it was weird that like Reardon is defense and power play and like Volucci is forwards and penalty kill. It seems like flipped, but um, I mean like Reardon, that power play, what he did before and he worked with the defense before and then Volucci, um, I mean, Wilkes-Barre, he's only ever been in like a minor league or junior coach where you kind of do it all. Anyway, you don't have a big assistant coaching staff. But I do know in Charlotte, the year before he came to Wilkes-Barre, um, I mean, they had the best penalty kill in the league. So, um, and they are, um, I mean, these are former head coaches. So they are, you know, able to, able to step up like that. Like Volucci, he's been a coach for, for 20 years. Uh, at various levels, he's never been an assistant ever. He's only ever been a head coach. And, like, that's hmm, what I asked him me. today. Well, cause like, oh, wait, like, from the beginning, he started out, like, you know, like, NAHL or OHL, wherever he started. He was only ever head coach. He's never – and because he said he's had um, opportunities to, to kind of step into this role in the past, other organizations, but he just uh, didn't ever think it was the right fit. And he said this is the right fit, just being able to, like, work with this group. But – um yeah, no, I, I asked him about that, like, and he said uh, he, he's, gonna, he's a good teammate, too, so he, because, I mean, that's something else that, uh, like, being an assistant coach, because you have to learn when, like, it is your turn to speak up, because, like, you're, you can't be the main voice in the room. Um, that's something, like, like, Wheeling, I know when Wheeling was hiring coaches, and, like, on their press conferences, that's something, like, they were talking about who talks when, and so, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be a transition for Volucci. So Mike Sullivan said, you know, one of the benefits of bringing in Volucci is that he is, he knows who the young guys are coming up from in the system. He's very aware of them. Uh, he knows who's ready to make that next jump. And Volucci, uh, he did name a few players who he thought could, could make that jump or take on more prominent roles who he coached last year. You know, Angelo Lafferty down there, he said, you know, those are guys that could compete for regular spots this year. But then he also named um, Sam Militech as a forward and Pio Joseph is one of the defensemen, which uh, if I had to pick two forwards, uh, a forward and a defenseman who were down there, I mean, that's, that's probably uh, who I would go with too. But I mean, the, the easiest one is Joseph. I just, he, when I talked to Volucci back in March, he told me he thought back in December, like after the Christmas break, that he thought, he thought Joseph was ready to come up and fill in. Right. Uh, if yeah, maybe. I remember, yeah. And then, I mean, he only made, like, major growth since then because, I mean, he finished on Wilkes-Barre's, like, top defense pairing and uh, playing big minutes. And I, I think he's ready to make this, the jump next season. Um, I, I'm not sure where he would fit in because he is a left. Oh, everyone else knows where he would fit well, in. Well, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know. <laughs> it would be, uh, Johnson would have to come out of the lineup. <laughs> but I don't know if that's going to happen. But I think, you know, this, the Volucci hiring could be a good uh good for P.O. Joseph for making that next step yeah I, I, this is an area where Mike Sullivan has direct experience uh he was the head coach uh in Wilkes-Barre for a short time very short time nonetheless like 20 20 games <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but got off to a spectacular start down there they barely ever lost and he learned to trust 
some of those players down there in that in that time that he had, meaning the train it, the, the the games, but also the training camp and 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 any other time that they would have had shared together. He learned to trust whether it was Connor Sherry, uh, Tom Kuhnhackel, Scott Wilson, Brian Rust, the four guys that ended up coming up later in that season. And the Penguins, of course, went on to win the Stanley Cup in San Jose. Uh, he's got experience with that sort of thing. He knows Vellucci's going to know how to push some buttons. So let's say that the Penguins do bring up – I can't even say Lafferty bring up. I mean, Lafferty's up as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think you can put Angelo in that same category. I'll, uh, you know, he, he never had a point where he really, really stuck the way Lafferty did. Uh, but I, I think you're going you're gonna to see those, those two guys seriously – challenge Lafferty really he has to be playing or they're not being serious about anything as far as getting younger and fresher um you know Sam I mean, Lafferty, got, Lafferty Angelo Johnson could be a line like yeah well Johnson they got to sign Johnson they have and, to sign and, all of them but yeah yeah but, the UFA. They, but they might not sign Johnson um the P.O. Joseph is the one that let's say devil's advocate here uh, let's say that they bring in P.O. Joseph and they say, listen, in order to make this team, kind of like the discussion you were just describing here with Bellary, what do I have to do to stay here, right, between Bellary and Vellucci? And P.O. Joseph says that. What do I got to do to stay here? Well, and they point over to number three sitting over there getting dressed, you know, and they say, you got to be better than that guy, but you got to be a lot better than that guy because he's a veteran. And He's a, he's a guy that's known in here. It's going to take a lot to kick him upstairs, maybe more than it should. And that's the way it gets set up. And that's the reason that they don't dump on Jack, not just his contract, but maybe they want to set up a camp battle. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of how Volucci did uh, begin his answer to the, the question of who's ready. He said, well, it's – it's not up to me. It's going to be up to Rutherford. Uh, and really anyone coming into camp can compete for a spot if, you know, they work for it. Anyone, like any of the guys that were in Wilkes-Barre could compete for a spot. But, um, I mean, yeah, so they definitely are setting up. Like, Joseph could earn a spot out of camp. I, it, he would have to knock Johnson out of the lineup. Uh, and I think that would – or they would have to move Johnson. Uh, I, I think that's still a possibility this summer if they can uh, – find a taker to him because you can't be paying Johnson with the flat cap you can't be paying him 3.25 million to sit in the press box and play P.O. Joseph in his spot even though P.O. Joseph 900 he's on a rookie contract so he he would be cheap but I don't I don't and I I did like Volucci so he no no one asked specifically about Joseph but anytime Mike Volucci brings up Joseph he's quick to say like I don't want to hear about his weight because he's uh He's like 6'2", I want to say like 185 pounds. And he, um, I think when they traded for him, he was around like 165. So he has put on like a, like, that's a significant amount of weight. But I mean, he is still, if you look at him, like very, very lanky. Um, But uh, he's, I mean, whenever I've talked to him or I know like other people have talked to him, he's quick to say, like, Volusia is quick to say, like, do not talk, like, that. that's Don't want to talk about the weight, yeah. It's not indicative. it, It doesn't indicate anything like his strength, he said. He said, um, he told me this back in March, and then he re- reiterated it today, that he showed the most growth in his leg strength than any other player down there um, over the course of the season. Like, they measure that. 
and sure. he said he doubled his and he has the most leg strength out of anyone down there even though you look at him and he's still a skinny kid um so I know a lot of people, like fans of whoever, say like he's not Joseph. He can't make the jump until he gets stronger, but he has. You can't just look at his hockey DB page and see how much he weighs. So Todd Reardon didn't exactly <laughs> find a smooth, soft way to segue back into the Penguins fan community because. On the subject of Jack Johnson, he said that he thought Jack was coming off a – he didn't go overboard, but he said he's, he's coming off a good year. He said and that he's, he had a decent year, and he's a nice third-pairing defenseman. Nice third-pairing defenseman. And actually, as third-pairing defensemen go, this is like when in, in baseball everybody debates fifth starters. Oh, look at their fifth starter. But then he, when you actually come up with a list of everybody's fifth starting pitcher in every rotation, all 30 teams in baseball, they're all kind of that. So when you compare Jack, you don't compare Jack to the guys that are in the top four. You compare Jack to other third-pairing defensemen. He still doesn't rank particularly highly. But what I wanted to ask you here is, is if, if you agree with me that when people like Reardon say things like this, when Mike Sullivan says it, when Jim Rutherford says it, do people not understand that the Penguins, who just might be trying to trade him in his contract, have absolutely nothing to gain by saying, wow, this guy's awful. Like the way they did with Schultz, Justin Schultz, after the playoffs, because they knew Schultz he was walking. No, I, I mean, no, you're not going to expect. I, I don't expect that anyone to say anything bad about Johnson, or like at least not what the fans want to hear. Like maybe criticize the third pairing in the playoffs, but I mean they're not going to rip Johnson. The the thing with Reardon specifically that I think. Uh, he was not asked about Johnson or the third pairing. He volunteered that information. <laughs> he was that the question he was asked was about specifically the top four because the way the question is phrased is because that is pretty much locked in. Yeah. And he did go through, you know, you know, the Dumoulin Latang pairing or, you know, and uh, and Schultz, and then, not Schultz, uh, Patterson and, no, uh, and yeah, Marino. Yeah, Patterson and Marino, he talked about each guy individually, what they bring, how they work together. But he's not going to leave then, Jack out. Think about how that He wasn't was, asked about him. Like, he just got done being a head coach somewhere and dealing with the media every day, and he knows what's going to happen if he leaves Jack out. Aha, look, Reardon hates Jack. <laughs> and Reardon was just brought in to be the assistant coach of – the defenseman. So what's he going to do? Roll the guy under a bus? Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> you see, like, you don't – what you were saying earlier, you don't compare Jack to, you know, the top four. You compare him to other third-pairing defensemen. Even then, I don't I, – I think you compare him to defensemen who are making $3 million. Like, that. that's what I oh, think. Oh, that's fair. That's because – But I don't think anybody could, anywhere you could, argues you could, in favor no, of No, yeah, he's overpaid. Yeah, yeah, there's. He, I, I, he, I haven't found. I think if you got Jack in a weak moment, Jack would acknowledge being overpaid. Probably, you know, but <laughs> probably would. He's got that personality. He does, but that's why I. It's it's not that he he is a third pairing defenseman. That is what he is. Um, 
relative to other third-pairing defensemen, he's not that good, and he's also getting paid more than them. So the when people talk about, you know, they rip him or whatever, compare him to others, it's because for what they're paying him, they could get an equal or maybe even better defenseman and still have money left over, um, maybe to spend on the forwards or whatever. But, yeah, you could get a better defenseman for cheaper who is a good or nice third-pairing defenseman or whatever Reardon said. Right. Capable of killing penalties and all that other stuff and being physical and, and everything else here. I mean, somebody would, somebody would have to replace the, the, the good things that Jack does, uh, you know, in addition to bolstering all the, all the bad things that he does as well. Is that, is that authentic Seattle Kraken? Is that what that is? It is. It is. The NHL shop is selling Seattle Kraken Seattle Kraken gear. They got a lot. Uh, not a whole lot of like good. It's a pretty basic moving. font. It looks like my Ted's golf logo. I, I from think this I was literally is Little like their logo. logo. Yeah, I think this actually is like the font they're using. But yeah, that's their logo. The uh, it's like a uh, there's like a it's an S, but then the yeah they use that like aquamarine. What is that? That color I, I would be like their... aqua. But is that – I can't tell from here because I'm going blind, but that they have the little red eye in the creature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, I love their, I love their color scheme. The, the teal with, like, the red accents, it'll look great on Matt Murray, I think. Well, I – ooh, nice. Well, I know, <laughs> I know better. <laughs> I know better than to get into a, a, a war of most interesting T-shirts and everything. But I've got to at least drop a line to my man here from the Strip District who's selling these six-feet Jagoff shirts here. Uh, he is, uh, right over here on, uh, 18th street, the corner of 18th and Penn. Um, uh, and he's got a bunch of these, uh, that he's, that he's selling. This is his biggest seller. Not surprisingly. It's pretty cool. Can I, I don't know if like that guy has them or whatever. <laughs> I, it, wait, I, I, uh, I don't use the word jagoff like I'm not from here, um, but uh, uh, it doesn't then, just roll off the tongue naturally. Yeah. They don't have jagoffs in Baltimore. Actually, they probably do have jagoffs in Baltimore. They're just not properly identified. Right. I the the one T-shirt that I've or like poster whatever it, like that about six feet. It, yeah. People make them about the parking chairs. That drives me nuts. Like Pittsburgh people. Uh, this is going to sound mean. Pittsburgh people like taking things that are not uh, specific to Pittsburgh and, and, try, and trying things. to ma- yeah. make them like this is so quintess- quintessential Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh when they do it like everywhere. Like, oh, who else parking, has parking chairs? I'm not aware of this. Every, they do it in Baltimore. They do it like I – that's why like when I came here and people were making it like a big Pittsburgh thing, it's like they do that where I grow up. If you have like street parking, they're doing it. I know – I, I looked into it once, like Boston, anywhere where it snows. Boston, Chicago, you can find like stories about it, and well, I don't know. No we're not Baltimore, just we're no not just Baltimore. It's like, ooh, we got parking chairs. It's just like a thing people do. <laughs> well, we're not just provincial in Pittsburgh in the sense of Pittsburgh. Uh, I once worked for an editor at the Post Gazette who used to say that people on the South Side consider going to the North Side a vacation, and it's the truth. There's hardly any overlap between people on the south side, residents of the south side, and anything, anything at all on the north side or the other way around. It's as if they're in different countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are extremely provincial. We have 88 neighborhoods and we want to split them up even that much more 
in a in a really small geographical city. Yeah, that's not something I I saw in Baltimore. That maybe something is actually unique. There we go. It's Authentic. See, just like chair. like actual jagoffs. <laughs> <laughs>